Remember Misty? I introduced you to her last year in episode 13. Misty has dealt with so many issues. Her journey started with a routine physical when she asked her doctor to do an ultrasound because she was 35, single, and was concerned about her ability to have children. But what that turned up was an endometriosis diagnosis, followed by surgery with life-threatening complications, extreme fatigue, thyroid and adrenal issues, tremendous weight fluctuations, and through all of this, very poor sleep. What she got for all of those complaints was a recommendation of medication for the rest of her life just to manage her symptoms. So frustrating, but unfortunately, this is not uncommon. Misty knew that that was not the answer and started to look for other ways to heal through natural means. And over the years, she has explored and conquered many of her ailments and was not only her own advocate, but an advocate for others as well that were going through similar things. Now, through all of her struggles, she's always known the importance of sleep, but sleep is always something that evaded her. So it was her mission to find all of the hacks so she can help herself and others get the best sleep. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. We just heard about Misty's sleep issues on top of everything else that she's been through. And if you've listened to the first interview I did with Misty, you know that she does not take no for an answer and really is her own health advocate so that she can get to the bottom of her issues. And to talk more about her case and all of the nitty gritty details about sleep is Misty herself. After enduring all of the different health challenges and finally finding resolutions to her issues, Misty founded HealingRosie.com to provide high-performing women with the resources and community to successfully confront the unexpected chronic health issues that they often experience as they get into their 30s and 40s. Misty, welcome back. I am so excited to have you. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Ina. Thank you for being here. So Misty, sleep issues affect so many people. And it's a topic I discuss on the show a lot because there could be so many underlying causes for each of us because we are all so unique. So can you tell us about some of the main underlying issues that can create sleep problems? Well, I probably um, have found myself in the different categories of people that you've spoken to about sleep over the many episodes that you've recorded so far. I feel like I've, I've hit all the major speed bumps when it comes to sleep. But, you know, my very first disaster around sleep was because of super high cortisol. I shared with you the last time I was on about the surgery complication, follow-up surgery that I had to do when they stitched up part of my small intestines while they were sewing me up after removing um, a a cyst from my left ovary. And um, after that second follow-up surgery, they sent me home and I didn't sleep for 144 hours. That's over six days and it was torture. Uh, I had never experienced anything like that. And I actually only know of a couple of people 
of all the times that I've told my story, all the people I know in our space, that's not a very common one to go that <laughs> that long. That is a very long time to be awake. And yes, I agree. I don't think I have known anyone who's been awake for that long ever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't recommend it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that the doctor actually knew this might be an issue for me because when I was in the hospital after that surgery, she gave me Ambien. And I'd never taken Ambien before or since. Um, and I remember thinking, I don't, I don't need Ambien when she gave it to me. And of course, I just kind of followed along. But um, she had to have known that that long um, having my system backed up like that, where I couldn't keep down food or water, um, would create a tremendous amount of cortisol. And so it took my body a very long time to be able to work that off and I remember finally being able to sleep just so, so happy. <laughs> um, it's it's torture. You think you're losing your mind when you're not sleeping. Oh my gosh, um, of course. For that length of time. Yeah. So that was really, really scary. And that was kind of my first uh, real confrontation with the role that cortisol can play in interfering with our sleep. Yeah. And of course, in your case, this was obviously very major, major, major cortisol elevation, but people don't always have to go through surgery. You know, it could be stress, it could be infection, it could be other things that will raise cortisol. And cortisol is definitely a biggie um, for an underlying factor for sleep for sure. Um, what are some others? Well, you know, I think some things that that really come to mind and, and in the interviews that I've done recently on this topic, we really talk a lot about life stress and the way that we're managing our lives. And there's certainly protocols that you can do in spite of life stress to try to help you sleep well. But the fact of the matter is, if you're living your life in a way where you're not supported in your life, where you've, you feel unsafe um, in the world that you're living in, if you've got a lot of relationship stress, um, if you've got issues and challenges going on with your children that are really worrying for you, financial stress, all of these things keep us from being able to sleep. And I've certainly had my share of those episodes too at different times in my life, especially since that incident. You know, I don't remember before 35 having any major challenges with sleep, but after 35, I've had lots. (laughs) And my body has just become a lot more sensitive um, to what's happening in my environment, you know? So we experience things like you know, our mind's racing and we just can't shut it down uh, to go to sleep. Or we might have an experience where we're finally able to shut it down and go to sleep and we complete that first sleep sleep cycle an hour and a half later and we're awake again, you know, and we can't shut it down again. Or we're waking up super early and just not able to go back to sleep. You know, we deal with chronic insomnia. There's people in our community who have so much stress in their lives that you know, at night, they're lucky to sleep three or four hours, which, man, is just unbelievably challenging on the body. So, you know, there's definitely some things that we can look at from a protocol perspective. And, you know, sometimes there's things that we can tweak with diet and and supplementation to help with our sleep. But for a lot of us, the number one thing that we need to do is change the way we're living our lives, you know, and that's an inside job. It's a big one. And, Um, for me, when I started seeing really coming to terms with the way that I was living my life and how much stress it was creating for me, I wish I could say that it's like, oh, that realization and I snapped my fingers, (laughs) (laughs) but it didn't work like that. You know, I had to really start seeking out tools and seek to understand a better and different way to live. And it took me years 
um, to, to really make progress in this area. So, um, so that can be a really big one, life stress. For sure. And we'll go back around to talk about some of the tools and techniques that you have in just a second. But yeah, let's go through a few of the other underlying factors and then we'll talk about that. Yeah. Well, in 2013, unbeknownst to me at the time, I actually didn't put the connect the dots on this until 2018. Uh, 2013, I had mercury filling improperly drilled for my teeth. And... Um, Within about four months, I gained 45 pounds. I may have shared this the last time I was on. And the big thing that happened was my hormones just completely crashed from the mercury toxicity. And this is something I'm still working on. I've experienced lots and lots of improvements in my life, um, but I am still detoxing mercury. And I have no idea how long it will take. <laughs> you know, I've been like studying up on this, and sometimes it can take upwards of five years or more to really get all the toxic metals out of your system. But I obviously had a very serious exposure. And um, not only did I gain weight, but I started having all sorts of issues sleeping. And this just points to what happens for a lot of women, especially as we're getting older, as we start experiencing depletion in our hormones, um, specifically progesterone. Most women probably feel it the most from progesterone. And that seems to be one of the more common hormonal issues that we have as women as we're getting older. But low progesterone can cause sleep issues. I've had that. Um, I've also had low estrogen create sleep issues for me. And it seems my experience with low estrogen is mainly from the night sweats and hot flashes. I mean, it just makes sleeping miserable when your estrogen is too low. So that one's been a big issue for me. Low progesterone can obviously come from toxicity, but we can experience low progesterone just from um, a lot of cortisol and stress. You know, it's called progesterone steel or pregnenolone steel when our hormones shunt to cortisol instead of um, converting properly down the, our conversion pathways. So that's a, a really big one. A lot of us are dealing with toxicity and it doesn't have to be mercury toxicity. You know, we're, we've got chemical toxicity galore. There's all sorts of metals um, that can create issues for us. So that can be another one too, that is really problematic for us as we're getting older. And, you know, I think what's interesting with hormones is, like you said, it could be estrogen or progesterone or both. And I think at different times in our lives, we can go through cycles where our estrogen is lower or progesterone is lower or both, you know, or sometimes it's just the imbalance between the two. And, you know, that can absolutely cause it. And, you know, one of the things that I've dealt with besides just those hormones, you know, I've, I have hypothyroid and I have nodules on my thyroid actually. And I have very low antibodies, but it still makes me really concerned about Hashi's. And I know that's really your area of expertise. But when I think about sleep as a woman, you know, certainly there's sleep issues, but I'm also really thinking a lot about fatigue and what, what is making me feel so exhausted during the day and absolutely how well we're sleeping at night can affect that. But another thing that can really affect our sleep is, is dealing with a high viral load of something. So one of the things that I went after in 2017, 2018 was Epstein-Barr. It turns out that I've had a chronic Epstein-Barr infection for probably 30 years um, that has flared over time. And certainly after everything started happening with 
surgeries and everything else that really just broke my body down, I started having crazy Epstein-Barr flares. And it took me a long time to get a proper diagnosis on that. I suspected Epstein-Barr because of my thyroid nodules. And I had come across some research that tied those two things together that I couldn't, I couldn't get the right tests run by my doctor. So that was a hard one for me to kind of bring into focus. Um, but after I did a really good homeopathic protocol for Epstein-Barr, I found that I was sleeping better and I had better energy during the day, both. Mm, yeah. In our community, in the Healing Rosie community, this is very common. There's so many women that have gotten tested for Epstein-Barr because they've heard my story and find out that they're infected too. And it's a big fatigue one. If you've got fatigue, especially uh, testing for Epstein-Barr can be a good move, something to rule out. For sure. Yeah, I can't agree more. We actually had Kasha Kynes on twice. You know, we had her on initially talking about a case of fatigue. And then she was just on, I think, a month or two ago where we were discussing all of the tests and why all four tests are so important. Because, you know, like you said, doctors aren't always going to run it. And if they do, they don't always run everything. So, you know, just because you have a past infection, you know, could be probably could not, but it's really looking at that early antigen and looking at that current infection, you know, and even sometimes with the past infection, if it's very, very, very high, you know that it can reactivate at any time. So it is such a big key thing. And, you know, I think with just infections in general versus, you know, whether it's a virus or a bacteria or a parasite, you know, an infection is going to be a physical stressor. And so that's going to affect, obviously, then the cortisol and the adrenals and, um, you know, create that pathway to then not be able to properly sleep. So that is a biggie for sure. Another interesting one that came up recently, um, I did a gut test last year and uh, found that I have parasites that I've been dealing with. I actually just finished my parasite protocol and we'll be testing in a couple of months to see how everything is doing. But I was doing an interview with Dr. Jay Davidson. He was actually interviewing me for one of his events and uh, sharing a little bit about my story and some things that I experienced and um, told him about my very chronic night owl-ishness that characterized the first 20 years of my adult life. I never went to bed before 2 a.m. I would get a second wind around 9, 9.30, and I would just power through. It was like such a productive time. <laughs> <laughs> and I I loved it, but you know that's a really big reason why, um, why I had the issues that I had in the first place that created the need for the surgery because um, I wasn't sleeping when I needed to be sleeping. But, you know, he mentioned parasites as a possible cause or reason that I was such a night owl. And of course, it turns out that I do um, have parasites that I had been dealing with. And I thought it was really interesting that parasites are nocturnal and they are awake at night and can keep you up at night. So, you know, that's another one. I, I don't know that I would consider it the first box you would check if you're really trying to dial your sleep in. But certainly if, um, if especially staying up really late um, is a hard habit for you to break. Um, there could be a parasite connection there for you. And it's much more common than we want to think. Parasites, the very idea of them grosses me out. I don't <laughs> I even like to talk about it. <laughs> but it's it's a thing. It's It's real. And I'm super excited that I've been able to identify that and start working on taking care of that problem. So that could be another thing. Definitely. And, you know, to your point, it is so common. You know, I do stool testing on people all the time and we see parasites a lot and people are surprised thinking we're not in a third world country, you know, what's happening. But 
they're everywhere. I mean, sometimes it's just eating a nice organic salad, right? It's it's everywhere. It's in in the food that we eat, in the dirt. You know, sometimes you know. I think it, it was actually Jay Davidson that said that you know, just walking barefoot in the dirt, as good as it is for you for grounding, you know, you can get a parasite that way. So it's all about how your immune system is functioning. So I'm curious. I know it's a little off topic, but with the parasite cleanse that you did, I'm assuming you were using the CellCore products, right? That Dr. Javison does. Uh, no, I wasn't using his. I um, I actually was doing a protocol with Dr. Michelle Sands. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the name of the product that I used. It was a full script prescription. I I don't remember offhand, but I did. It was a product that I took twice a day, and I did it for like a few weeks on, few weeks off, few weeks on, few weeks off. How did you feel on that? And did you see anything come out? I didn't look because it's gross. <laughs> it's so funny. Like there, I actually would have times where I'm like, I should look and see if there's anything. And then I was like, no, flush. I just think it's disgusting. <laughs> but I definitely know. I mean, it was really interesting doing the cleanse because I, I could tell when I was having die off, um, I would get extra gassy. I would take a lot of extra binders during that time to try to keep from being gassy. Um, when I was experiencing that and, um, I would have fluctuations in the consistency of my stool. So I know that, um, and it it would only happen when I'm, when I was actually taking the parasite supplement. So clearly they were, they were doing something in my gut. They were reorganizing, we'll call it. (laughs) But yeah, I am, I am such a prissy girl. I just could not bear to like study my stool. I couldn't. I understand. I asked because, you know, some people do and some people don't. Oh, I know. Well, people rave. I mean, they post in the community. Oh my God, I just had this tapeworm. And I'm just like, I just can't. I cannot. Yeah. I will do the protocol, but yeah. Right. Well, my whole thing is, you know, better out than in. So whether you see it or not, you know, as long as it's coming out, it's all good. It's one of those things where I, I mean, obviously if you're actually seeing it, there could be this feeling of satisfaction satisfaction, like, oh my God, it's in there. I got it out. But I, I do think that it's unquestionable when you're taking those supplements because your, your gut is reacting. Like I never had like, I mean, every now and then actually I would get uh, like a gassy loose stool that felt more diarrhea ish, but that wasn't super common. It was mostly just different consistencies to the stool, the, the gassiness, and it would be like severe, like I'm not leaving my house, you know? So you, I, I could really tell that this stuff's going in there and, and blowing things yeah. up, you it's know? pushing stuff out. Exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. right. For sure. That's right. <laughs> okay. So, so, so parasites. Yeah. Yes. Parasites. parasites. So we have one. cortisol, we have life stress, we have hormones, we have parasites. Any other ones you can think of? Yes. Yes, I think the one of the things that I got turned on to really early on, um, and I would credit Dave Asprey and maybe even Ben Greenfield for this, is really understanding um, about circadian biology and how mismatched we are to how our bodies are designed to work uh, when it comes to light cycles. So, you know, we live in a world where we're lit up all the time. Our, we have overhead lighting in our homes. Um, we, you go outside, there's street lights everywhere. You're driving at night, looking at headlights. You go to the store in the evening. I mean, we are just constantly exposed to blue light. And, um, and that actually 
sends a message through our SDN, the master clock, goes through our eye up to our master clock. It says, it tells our body that it's daytime, which stimulates sympathetic nervous system activity instead of parasympathetic nervous system activity. And of course, we know that parasympathetic is the time that our body begins to rest, restore, heal, digest, repair, detox, you know, All these wonderful healing things happen when the sun goes down and our eyes are constantly exposed to blue light, then we're telling our bodies to stay in a sympathetic state and we're reducing that window that our bodies have to do all of these wonderful restorative things. So in 2012, I started wearing amber glasses as soon as the sun went down. And back in those days, the only amber glasses I could find were like safety goggles. So (laughs) we have come a long way. Yeah, I remember, I remember a friend coming over probably about six months into me wearing the amber glasses at night and calling them birth control. (laughs) because (laughs) I looked so ridiculous. Um, But now you can go on Amazon and you can get a pair of amber glasses for 15 bucks. Yeah. You know, and certainly there's, you know, some really great brands out there that have the glasses with really chic frames and all of that. But, you know, I look at it as just something really practical. And, um, and I have the $15 pair from Amazon and it does the job. So I have those too. Yes. It's really important that we take that, that's such a little thing that we can do that makes a massive difference. And I tell you, this is a sleep hack that I have been sharing with people for the last probably eight years. Like it's my favorite sleep hack. If you want to fall asleep faster and just overall sleep better, start wearing those amber glasses. And even the most skeptical person I've shared that with who's tried it has come back and said, oh my God, it works. So it's, it's a great tip, you know, and and it's right in my house. It's not just the glasses, but I've got bulbs and lamps in my home that our, our bedroom has the amber bulbs in it. Um, so, you know, there's, there's lots of ways that you can practice good light hygiene, you know, even beyond just the glasses they have, you know, your blue light devices, all of your devices, a lot of them have the fl- what was called Flux at one time, but the app where at night, you know, your screen gets a little more orange. But the truth is that what they're doing to filter on your screens is not enough. You still need to wear amber glasses if you're looking at screens. And the best bet really is just to have a no screens after seven or eight rule. You know, we're in front of them all day long. And, you know, nighttime is for slowing down. Let's put our phones aside. Let's turn off the television and get out from behind the computers and really start taking care of ourselves. So that is just a wonderful tip. I mean, the most skeptical friend, like I said, has gotten benefit from that one. So I feel really confident that, you know, it's a needle mover for us. And I actually learned recently that it's not only through our eyes that we need to be thinking about uh, blue light, but also our skin because our red blood cells have little receptors in them that when it picks up blue light, which it can through our skin, it reduces melatonin. So, Wow, that is really interesting. That's right. This is why room darkening is such an important hack because, you know, our bodies are designed to sleep in pitch black. And in my bedroom, there's lights outside you know, that are security lights uh, on the building that I live in. And so, and I actually, I got room darkening curtains for the first time about six or eight weeks ago. And I noticed a huge difference the very first night. 
I, I just, I didn't, I slept deeper. I woke up fresher. Like it was, it was almost shocking. <laughs> and I really noticed if I happen to sleep in an environment where I can't blacken the room, oh man, I can tell now. I'm the same way. We sleep in a really dark room. Yeah. And we actually, my husband is the one that got me turned on to that, you know, years ago. And we even put like a little towel over like the alarm clock light. And if there's yes. anything from like the kale box. So now if we ever go to a hotel, it's never as dark. And so we don't sleep as well. That's right. I know. I know it. You you have to really, we, we put the blackening curtains up, shut off all the lights and it's like, there's still light. And like, lo and behold, there's a light coming from the smoke detector in the ceiling. There's something on the desk over in the corner, some electronic device that Roderick has plugged in that's not even on that has like a little light on the cord. There's my curling iron in the bathroom the, where the doors open. You know, So you have to kind of like, all right, shut the light out. The goal is to hold your hand in front of your face and not be able to see it. So towel under the crack at the bottom of your door if you have light coming in. But yeah, sleeping in a dark room is great. It's wonderful. I highly recommend that one too. And it's not it's not super expensive to get room darkening curtains as well. You know, some people are really into like, if we're going to, anything that you put in your room, there is a there is an off-gassing that's a it's a toxin that we're dealing with in our homes. We're we're our the air inside of our homes is very toxic, and of course that we're sleeping in that, which is totally not the best for us. Um, but I just went to IKEA and got the room darkening curtains, and I'm sure there's the fabric is synthetic or something. Um, but I needed tall, really tall curtains, and you do you want a curtain that's taller than your window, otherwise the light still shines through the top, you know. Yep. Um, but I just went to IKEA and I got a pair for thirty five bucks, I think, super cheap. Yeah, it's great. So it's great, yeah. and you know, I think if you can wash the curtains or even just hang them outside for a day or two, you know, that yeah, helps. That really to helps. Take some of the, the scent or the chemicals out. It yeah. helps. Yeah, for sure. And then on my bed, I have a chili pad. Cold is great for sleep, and I've got a chili pad on my bed. But the the real cold uh, story that I want to share is. When I decided that I was dialing my sleep in, I wasn't going to go to bed at 2 a.m. anymore. I needed to go to bed at 9, 10 o'clock. It took me a very long time, six months, it took me to reset my clock because it was 20 years of doing it the other way. And there was a week that I'd been hearing about uh, cold thermogenesis and had some friends that were really into the cold bath thing. So I was so desperate back then to feel better that I was willing to try anything and I started doing cold baths. And after about 10 days of doing cold baths, for the first time ever in my life, I woke up feeling refreshed. Wow. It was like the thing that locked it in for me. I had been six months. I still, I remember when I learned that I needed to go to bed earlier. <laughs> it was a chiropractor friend who was asking me about my sleep. And he asked me how I felt in the morning when I woke up. And I said, you know, I feel like I have been hit by a Mack truck, but I think that's normal because I've been sleeping. That was the story that I told myself. I, and I, I legitimately believed it. I thought I'd wake up groggy and feeling, because I'd been sleeping. But he told me then, you should wake up feeling refreshed. Your body, if, if everything is working like it should be and your hormones are where they should be and your cortisol is working like it should be, your, your cortisol is what should wake you up and you should be ready to take on the day, like literally birds chirping outside. And I just remember thinking, what, what are you saying? Like I had just never had that experience before. 
and a couple of weeks of doing cold baths, like it was just such a game changer. Mm. So that's a, a hack that doesn't get much airtime. Certainly you hear people talk about cold therapy in our space and people do the cold showers. I think that's torture. I would way rather do a cold bath any day of the week. Um, and of course, you know, you can go into the cryotherapy machines and zap yourself for a few minutes, but I just sat in a tub of 60 degree water. It wasn't super cold. That sounds doable. And, and that, and that did it. Yep. That did it. You, I hyperventilated for the first minute. <laughs> you just have to let yourself like suck in copious amounts of air, Yeah, you know, yeah. but then your body, your body adjusts just like if you're in a swimming pool, you know, I just, once, I, once my body adjusted, I didn't want to move. And I did that for about 40 minutes. 40 minutes at night. Yeah. So cold can be great and our bodies do better. We sleep deeper, the colder it is. So reduce that thermostat, make that room cold. If you have the means to get a chili pad, I love mine. I do have a friend uh, in full disclosure about the chili pad who, um, who said that she feels the little hoses that are in the pad running the water through. Um, I don't feel that, but she did. And she sent hers back. So you have to just think, are you kind of the princess and the peace sleeper where you're going to feel everything? Maybe you wouldn't love it. But I mean, my, most of my friends love their chili pads, the ones that have them. And, and it, it's helpful. The colder you are, the deeper you're going to sleep. And that's what we all want. So. Yeah. Now, what do you think is the optimal temperature to set your thermostat at for sleep? As, as cold as you can handle it. I mean, I just think it's, it seems that it's the colder, the better. Obviously, you don't want to freeze. But if I could get away with setting my thermostat on 60 degrees and Roderick wouldn't have a cow, I would do it. <laughs> uh, right now, it's on 70. My thermostat's on 70. Oh, wow. Okay. 70 degrees in the summertime. In the wintertime, I, you know, it's kind of like don't kick the heat on, let it get as cold. And sometimes it'll, I'm in Austin. So sometimes it'll get 60 degrees in the bedroom, which to me is just heavenly. <laughs> I just love it when it's cold. Well, 60 degrees in the summer. Yeah. We do about 65 in the winter, but in the summer, you know, it can go a little cooler, especially, you know, if it's cooler outside. Just as cold as you can, as you can handle it. And I, it's not that you have to stay cold. I have like a duvet, you know, quilt, a uh, down comforter on the bed. I mean, pile the bed with blankets, you know, uh, but your head is obviously out and, um, and that's just the best sleep for most people. I think they're going to experience that that's the best sleep. And for the chili pad, by the way, you, they, it's like really high tech these days. They have an app and everything. So you could crawl into a warm bed and go to sleep. And a few hours later is when your temperature drops, you know, to help you with that deep sleep. So it's really interesting. I wanted to ask you with the chili pad, how does it work? Does it work with Wi-Fi or is it plugged in? And is there any concern of EMFs or um, any type of like electromagnetic um, interference? Um, I think the EMF concern is a legitimate one. Um, I consider it a trade-off okay. because um, getting deep, I mean, like what's more healing to the body than deep sleep, you know? And, and with everything I've been through, like I just feel like whatever I can do to sleep deep within reason is is amazing. And it and it does really seem to be a needle mover for me. But the chili pad has um has a small, it's like a little bigger than a shoebox device that sits under the bed. And for us, we put it under the foot of the bed. Okay. Um, so our bodies aren't, you know, right on top of it. There is an app on your phone that you can control the device with. So I would imagine that means there there's a signal that's coming out. They do that's their their like current you know, popular version. They do have a version of the chili pad that does not have Wi-Fi. 
and does not have an app and you just, it's one, it's a one temperature thing. You just set the temperature you want. You just don't have the control over the temperature. That makes sense. So maybe someone who's more sensitive to EMF. Yes. If you're really sensitive, yeah, then yes. And it is, that's a trade-off. Like a lot of these biohacks where you're dealing with technology, you know, I feel the Wi-Fi thing too. Like, oh my gosh, it's, there's a signal coming from it and you just have to kind of judge for yourself if, you know, is it a necessary evil? Does the, you know, the benefit outweigh the risks? You know, we all just have to kind of be sensitive to that for ourselves and and make that decision. But for me, like I just, I am such a, a fan of sleep. Like everything in my life is great when I'm sleeping. And the, the more I sleep and the better I sleep, the better everything seems to go in my body. I get my labs done every few months and and I can just tell a difference. So I, I just, I opt for, for the chili pad because I want as deep a sleep as I can create for myself. But I think it's a very legitimate thing, question to ask, you know, what about the Wi-Fi? Um, so, you know, if someone is trying to really optimize their bedroom sleep, I know we'd already talked about the room darkening shades and getting the room as dark as possible, having the thermostat set to a temperature where you can, you know, feel good, but it's cold. Um what are some of the other things that people can do in the bedroom to really optimize it? Well, you know, it's we can kind of touch back on the off-gassing conversation that we we touched on a minute ago. Our our homes in general are so toxic. So in the bedroom, oftentimes you have carpet that's off-gassing. You're sleeping on a mattress that's off-gassing. Your your sheets and your blankets and everything on your bed is off-gassing. You know, you've got polluted air in your room that you're sleeping with. You've got stuff on your nightstand that shouldn't be there. Your cell phone, you know, a, an alarm clock with that's lit up on the face. You know, all these different things. So one of the things to be really mindful of in the bedroom is what can you do to make it as clean and toxin-free as possible? So having an air filter in the bedroom can be really beneficial. There's a process that I just learned about in one of the interviews I did recently called baking, where if you move into a new house, if you get a new mattress, if you put new carpet down, um, whatever, you know, you've got a bunch of things that could potentially be off-gassing, put the thermostat up on like 85 degrees and leave the house for eight hours. And the, the process is called baking. Everything heats gu- heats up and it speeds up the off-gassing process. Mm. Then you come home, you open all the windows and you leave again and you let your entire house air out and you just rinse and repeat on that. If you're moving into a new home, if you've put down new carpet, if you just know that you're really sensitive to your environments and especially if you know you have a lot of chemical sensitivities. I mean, all of us do, but some of us react in a more visceral way, you know? That's so smart. I love that. It is, it's a great tip. It's a really great tip just to bake your house. And you know, another thing, another thing people can do along with that is if you take a fan and you put it in your window facing out, when you open the windows, it just sucks everything right out quicker. So... I know that you have the Sleep Summit coming up, which I'm so excited for, your best sleep ever. And I know you interviewed 40 experts about sleep and energy and fatigue. So can you share some of the things that you learned? I know you just shared the baking tip, which is awesome. What are some of the other tips that you've learned and some highlights? 
Yes, I've been sharing great tips all along the way. I did an interview with Dr. Ann Shippey, and she's the one that told me about the red blood cells having receptors for blue light, which I thought was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like your reaction, mm-hmm. um, actually. But I thought that was just an amazing one. She actually, in my interview with her, we talked a lot about um, what to do in the bedroom to optimize it for sleep. But, you know, we've, I talked to people about all sorts of different things. We talked a lot about sleep apnea and some of the therapies and tips that are available for dealing with sleep apnea. If that's an issue that you have, we talked about, um, women with autoimmune disease, almost every woman, pretty much every woman that has an autoimmune disease has really terrible sleep. And, did an excellent interview with Dr. Roger Murphy where he shared um, his hack when he starts working with someone. Autoimmunity is his specialty. Um, and when he starts working with someone, the very first thing that he does is get their sleep dialed in. He considers it to be the most important part of helping them to heal. You know, Harvard Medical School considers sleep to be the third pillar of good health. So it's super important um, no matter what what diagnoses you have or what symptom set you have, um, you're not going to heal. The protocols that you're doing aren't going to work nearly as well, if at all, if you're not sleeping. So he shared his protocol for sleep. Of course, the wonderful Trudy Scott came on. She talked about anxiety and insomnia and shared um, her uh, amino acid protocol for dealing with both of those. Um, had several doctors actually talk about different ways to help you sleep at night. Dr. Christine Schaffner taught us about the um, glymphatic system, which is the way that your brain detoxifies. And I mentioned in that interview to her, I was like, man, I, I'm just now starting to hear about this. And she said it was discovered in 2015. So it's a very new area um, of study in uh, neuroscience, but the glymphatic system uh, it's really important that your lymphatic system is working properly if you want to sleep well. So she gave lots of tips on what you can do to really optimize um, your lymphatic system. Uh, Kevin Ballister, who had a uh, life-threatening traumatic brain injury, also talked about this and gave a lot of tips um, on really helping your brain to detoxify, which is so fascinating, you know. I had I had someone come on and talk about dreams and what you can do if you've kind of been haunted by nightmares and bad dreams. We learned a little bit about the benefits of tapping, and um, she talked about the subconscious mind. Deborah Fryer talked about the subconscious mind and how our subconscious mind is actually speaking to us um, at night when we're sleeping, and you know, are we listening? And we learned about the pineal gland and. Um, just so many wonderful dimensions of this conversation that I hadn't come across before. So it was really fun to do these interviews and learn so, so much. I mean, I've just been tweaking like crazy my own um, life and regime um, around sleep because I just, I mean, I believe in it so much. Um, so it was really, it was wonderful. We had we had a couple of experts come on and talk about the power of meditation and re- basically retuning your nervous system so that, especially if you've endured a lot of trauma, so that your body isn't vibrating in this super sympathetic state all the time. Um, and I think that's just such a valuable concept. You know, we've got And it doesn't take a lot, like we're talking a few minutes a day of meditation to really begin to retune your entire nervous system. 
So that was super fascinating to me. And a couple of our speakers talked about how your morning routine is one of the most significant parts of how well you sleep at night because within the first 30 minutes of waking, we really need natural sunlight on our face. Just like, you know, we were talking about how important it is at night to get rid of the blue light. Um, In the morning, it's really important to see that light because it tunes your your entire system. Um, The cycle for the day begins first thing in the morning and um, you're really setting your body clock when you get light on your face. Mm. which is just, you know, another really fantastic tip. So that's a great tip and a good hack. Yeah, whether it's, you know, natural light or maybe something artificial, if you're in an area where you can't get it, you know, it's, it's good to know. There's lots and lots of things that are really important to this sleep conversation. And, you know, of, and of all the tips that were given, the thing that I kind of settle back to in my own mind and in my spirit is just how important is our sleep. And I think it's kind of a barometer. Um, we're not sick and experiencing all of these symptoms because we have great lifestyles, you know, so we can learn the hacks and supplements and all the different protocols, but don't forget at the end of the day that your body is sending you a message when you're not sleeping at night and you're not managing your life well. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's not, we don't mean to not be managing our life well. And sometimes life happens to us and we just find ourselves in, you know, these situations and predicaments, but it's certainly a wake up call, you know, and we can make massive leaps, bounds, make our entire situation better by really paying attention to some of the more intangible aspects of this whole conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that is so true and such, such an important point. Well, Misty, I'm so excited um, for your summit and to hear all of this information. And I know that that launches in a couple of weeks and I'm going to put a link in the show notes for everyone listening. I'll send an email out with it so you guys will know how to access it. And um, we'll have all of Misty's information there as well. Misty, thank you so much for being here and sharing so many of your awesome tips and hacks. And of course, you know, telling us more about your story because I think so many people can really relate. And I just really really appreciate you being here again. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ina. It's my pleasure. Sleep is absolutely crucial to our health. I hope you can try out some of the tips and tricks that Misty shared. And to get even more into the nitty gritty on sleep, you have to check out the Best Sleep Summit, which launches on March 16th, 2020, where Misty interviews 40 experts on how you can get your best sleep ever. I will post a link in the show notes and you can sign up and watch the summit from the comfort of your own home. And if you want to contact or find out more about Misty Williams, you can find her at healingrosie.com. And of course, I will have all of this information in the show notes on my website, healthmysterysolve.com under episode 48. And you can also just scroll down on your podcast app and you'll see all the show notes there. Wishing you a great night of sleep. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.